Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Hey, we're live, but we got to let the stream breathe here just for a few seconds while we get our uh, five beautiful green check marks to let us know we got a stable stream across all five streaming platforms and we're good welcome in everybody to the aftermath episode of the huddle up podcast presented as always by mile high huddle and powered by overtime media i'm your host chad jensen with me as always my partner in crime you know him you love him my fellow football priest zach kelberman zach we knew that albert okawebunum nope i said it wrong again albert okawebunum um got banged up yesterday in the knee and it really, I mean, when you saw him grab like that while he's still falling to the earth, you, you kind of could see that it was, it looked ACL ish. That's all I'm going to say. And we, we learned late, uh, I should say mid Monday morning that he is, he has torn his ACL. He's done for the year. And this caused many Broncos fans to just go careening off the emotional cliff. But what was your reaction to Alberto's injury? This was the injury that pushed him off the cliff of all the injuries this season. It sucks. I mean, what is there to say? It looked like when he went down, he was in a lot of pain. He he quickly reached for his knee, and he was ruled out pretty fast. And for anyone who covers the NFL for a while, you learn that quick rule outs are always an ominous sign. And sure enough, he has a torn ACL. He's out for the year. He had some injury concerns in college, Chad, in, in Missouri. He had some knee issues. He had some shoulder issues. So it's not exactly surprising he's already down with an injury, especially this year. Sucks for him. He was first coming on strong. I would say I'm excited about the next man up at the position, but that would be injured Jake Butt, Nick Vanette, and they're bringing back Troy Fumagalli. They don't have Austin Fort. I guess Andrew Beck would be the next tight end, but hopefully this would funnel the rest of the targets that Alberta would have gotten to Noah Fant. It sucks, but it's part of the game. The problem is the Broncos have – well, I think it's two weeks, two more games to go without Jake Butt or or Andrew Beck because last week, I think it was last week, I'm trying to put the timeline together for as accuracy as being as accurate as possible. I know last week Jake Butt went on IR with the hamstring. It wasn't anything catastrophic. It was, hey, this thing doesn't seem to <clears throat> excuse me, be getting better, so let's just go ahead and put him on IR. We've got Noah Fant, we've got Albert O, and then I want to say – Andrew Beck was the week prior. So you might be able to get Andrew Beck back after the Raiders game. Either way, in the short term, Zach, yes, the Broncos now are suddenly shorthanded at a position where 
you know, they they had an embarrassment of riches to open this season, but they're bringing back Troy Fumagalli. They're going to sign him to the practice squad, and he'll be one of those game day activations that, you know, they utilize the next couple of weeks until they can see the lay of the land, whether they can get Beck back, whether they can get Butt back. But <clears throat> for those fans, excuse me, frog in my throat, one second. For those fans who are really tripping over the Alberto injury, as, as it is tragic. It does suck. But, guys, I want to remind you, Noah Fant. Think about how excited you were about Noah Fant. And, yeah, he's banged up a little, Zach. You know, he he dinged up his ankle again yesterday. But uh, Vic Fangio said even though they don't have definitive answers, everything's looking good for this coming week against the Raiders. So, you know, hang your hat on the fact that you still got Noah Fant. And even if Fant does end up missing a little time or if he misses this game against the Raiders, Zach, at least you've got Nick Vanette, who is at the very least at bottom. You boil it down. It's a veteran. I'd rather the Broncos not start a tight end than play Nick Vanette. They, I was thought you were going to say they have other receivers. They have Jerry Judy coming on strong. They have KJ Hamler coming on strong. Obviously, Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton. Again, Alberto, it hurts Drew Locke. It hurts the Broncos passing game. It doesn't hurt the Broncos from a, a run game standpoint. But those pass targets that would have went to Alberto have to be funneled to no offense. And it would have been a nice one-two pairing. They were coming on strong as that really, you know, low-end version of Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez, but it's it's part of the game. And we saw Noah Fant, like you mentioned, he went down, he was grabbing at his ankle. He's okay. The Broncos, despite these injuries, they have the horses to keep going, Chad. They can still have mm-hmm. a, a, competent, a competent average offense. So uh, hopefully Noah Fant is the beneficiary from an unfortunate injury. I mean, think about this. Broncos fans didn't really, I mean, some did based on, you know, depending on how big a draft Knicks they were. But most Broncos fans didn't even really know what they had in Alberto until week six when he finally dressed. He was a healthy scratch all the way till week six. It was Noah Fant. The position always was and remains about Noah Fant. And your phrase, I love it. The Broncos still have the horses to be a competent and explosive offense. <clears throat> and this was something that Vic Fangio spoke to today that I want to get more into as the show c- kind of goes on. But the Broncos, you know, it, it does hurt, it, you know, especially – just as he seems to be building a little momentum and the Broncos are kind of figuring out how to use this two tight end mismatch nightmare, um, you know, duo together, they lose him. It does suck. It's just another blow. But as Vic Fangio said, a, a carpenter doesn't blame his tools, right? You gotta, you gotta make do with what you have. And, you know, if this was the 20, even the 2019 Denver Broncos offense, I'd be a lot less bu- uh, bullish, but Zach, you have, <clears throat> excuse me, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler who combined for 24 targets on Sunday in, in Atlanta combined. All right. The Broncos had 405 yards from scrimmage. All right. In this game against the Falcons, the rookie wide receiver duo of Judy and Hamler, they accounted for over 200 of those yards. So there are horses. And then you got Timmy P and Timmy P you could tell last week or Sunday yesterday was still working back from his own injury, but even he had a solid day with, four receptions, one of them being a touchdown. It was a clutch touchdown, a great throw by Drew Locke. And so there are the horses remain. Plus you got the running back. So if this offensive line, honestly, Zach, if this offensive line could figure itself out and get clicking, maybe getting Graham back at Graham Glasgow, who Fangio said he will return to practice this week. It's looking good for him uh, for week 11 or excuse me, week 10. Um, You know, this offense could get back on track. They just got to figure out, their first, second, and third down. And I think there was a tweet. I'll find it here in a, in a few minutes. But, you know, the, the message to Pat Shermer is it, it you got to just kind of let off the reins and let Drew Locke be Drew Locke 
because when they do kind of just go, all right, throw the game plan out the window, here are the plays we think that will work best for Drew, the offense moved, right, in the fourth quarter of these last two games, and that needs to be the takeaway. We've been saying this for what seems like the entire season now because we have. When is he going to just get it through his head? They have to play like that the whole game. And not to turn this podcast into a, a Pat Shermer roast session, in terms of Albert O, the injury, this is not a catastrophic. It, it, it impacts Albert O much more than the Denver offense. He was a nice piece to have, but it's not like Cortland Sutton going down, not even like Noah Fant going down. Good complimentary tight end, but still a very raw player. He should be back. ACL injuries, Chad, medicine nowadays, it's very, very quick turnaround. He'll be back in time for training camp, good to go for next regular season. In the meantime, it's the Noah Fant show at tight end, as it should be. Indeed, and one last thing, and then we're going to get to some quick matters of business. And then we'll dive into what's on your mind. We got some super chats stacking up. We got a momentous cut that was made in the NFC West that could affect the Broncos and come as a little bit of a help uh, uh, at this point in the season. We'll get to that here in a minute. But one thing, Zach, to your point about the ACL and whatnot with, with Albert O, Fangio, here's what he said today. Quote, Albert did get the ACL injury. He will miss the rest of the season. The fortunate thing of it, is that it's just the ACL and the ACL only. Many times when you get an ACL, it involves some other ligaments like the MCL or the PCL. So his rehab and repair should go clean, and he should be back good as new next season, close quote. So that's the silver lining is as much as it does hurt to lose him, and it's a torn ACL and it sucks, it's about as fortuitous an ACL tear for the player, right, in terms of his comeback next year and being back in the saddle as you could hope for. No meniscus, no structural damage. I mean, no ligaments or tendons other than just the ACL. And medicine nowadays, like I mentioned, he can be back running by, you know, February or so. He'll be back on his feet soon in time for, the, for Denver's offseason program. Again, it sucks for him, but, you know, moving forward, he's at least a promising piece of the puzzle. Guys, we have so much more that we are going to get to tonight. This is, of course, the aftermath episode where we sift through and pick up the pieces of what was the Denver Broncos' fifth loss of the season falling uh, 34-27 to the Falcons. A lot to get to, but first, a few quick matters of business. Yeah, tonight's live stream podcast, guys, is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Broncos country, listen up. Gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado. And here's what makes sportsbetting.com a no-brainer for sports fans. First of all, sharp odds and low juice. They have in-house bookmakers. They're not a third-party provider of odds. Reduced juice, best prices, hassle-free bonuses, guys. One-time rollover. That means the bonus money is yours after you bet it just one time, whereas other sites range from five to 30 times. Big discrepancy there. Finally, 24-7 live customer support. Your guys are always getting a real person when you contact them in the United States. Never a robot, never someone overseas. But here's the kicker, Broncos country. At sportsbetting.com, you get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Not just one bet, but all of your bets, guys. Play for a week, and if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to $1,000 with a one-time rollover. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Boom. All right, guys, a couple quick things here on Matters of Business. We'll dive right into the chat. As the show and MHH continue to grow, we got to make sure our new followers and listeners and viewers know how to connect with us on social media. The first thing to do is follow the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod while you're at it, the main account at Mile High Huddle. And then as you can see here on the screen, my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad N. Jensen, 
Also, gentle reminder, head on over to the merch store, huddleuppod.com, and get your swag on. Get yourself one of these MHH trucker hats, a football priest t-shirt. There's the football priest hat. You got mugs. You got face masks. You got hoodies. There's a little something for everybody. It's another way to support what we're doing here at MHH. And also a shout out to our Facebook community. We love and value each and every one of you. If you'd like to become an official supporter of MHH on Facebook, it's easy to do. You just go to our page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. You'll see the big blue button that says become a supporter. Click that. You're in like Flynn. It's kind of how you can become a, it's like being a super chat superstar on Facebook. We appreciate, of course, any support and all the support we get from our dedicated, passionate community. And you know what, guys, if you're not in a position to patronize the merch store or become an official supporter or, uh, you know, being a super chat superstar, it's all good. We are. It's just stoked to have you in the stream with us or listening after the fact as a podcast. We do ask, though, these three things of each and every one of our, our great listeners. Subscribe, first and foremost, wherever you prefer listening to the show. Like this video. Like this podcast. And that's especially crucial on YouTube and Facebook. And then if you really think Zach and I are doing a good job for you, share this content out there. Help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Broncos country, listen up. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, the brand was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. It's never been easier to do good in the world, to do something, to make a difference, and Coors Hard Seltzer is paving the way by launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering because our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up, but through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. The way it works, each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results, 1 billion, that's with a B, gang, gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. 
Also, with Coors Hard Seltzer, you're getting four refreshing flavors, and it's one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. The specs are in, gang. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I can speak from firsthand certainty that nothing quite takes the sting off a tough defeat like a Coors Hard Seltzer. I know that everything will be all right that I got my black cherry handy, trusty Coors Hard Seltzer for a football fan. Win or loss, it's the way to go. You heard it here, gang. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You, yes, you can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It really is that simple. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, John, let's see what we've got here. I know there's been a few superstars, and it just did a jump on me, patiently waiting. While while John gets that queued up, Zach, the Arizona Cardinals cut Devontae Bosby today. And although I don't know quite yet, I've, I've had my ear to the floor. I'm trying to get some insight from people across the league. What exactly um, you know, caused that, that break, so to speak, so quickly? Um He's out there. And we were just talking yesterday on the on the gut reaction after seeing Devontae Harris just get torched up and down the field at Mercedes-Benz Stadium that, you know, the Broncos put their chips in on the wrong Devontae. My question to you is, do you think the Broncos try to bring Bosby back? And do you think there is some sort of bad blood now between the Boz and the Broncos? <laughs> well, you know, it's with Elway, when he cuts a player, he rarely brings him back. There's been rare exceptions to that rule. And there's a reason why they cut Devontae Bosby. There's a reason why they prioritize other cornerbacks over Devontae Bosby. And you can wonder why Bosby was so quick to be released by Vance Joseph and the Arizona Cardinals. Reading through some of I can't say I'm a Cardinals expert, but reading through some of the, the tweets uh, to the Cardinals tweet announcing he's been cut, it seems like they had other cornerbacks playing ahead of him. They have other cornerbacks coming back from injury, and he was just a temporary stopgap. I would love to have Bosby back. I would cut Devonte Harris right now. Send a message of accountability. They do not do that the entire season. The closest they came was milking Wilkinson's injury and getting him out of the lineup. They have to have some some pride, Chad, on defense. You can't allow yourself to get burned like that, like Devontae Harris, consistently. I understand it was one-on-one coverage, but he is not a better cornerback than Bosby. So do I want him back? Absolutely. And raise your hand in the comments if you guys want him back. You'll see the, the emojis. Broncos country loves this guy. He was perfect for a Fangio system. Why they got rid of him, I do not know. It has to be something going on behind the scenes. His neck injury coming back from that, I do not know. But he was always a good player, and the Broncos just never valued him. For what it's worth, he suited up once for the Cardinals, and that was this week against Miami. And he saw 16 snaps on defense. He saw four more on special teams. He ended up with a single solo tackle and a single combined tackle. So uh, no uh, passes defense. But if you go back to the game in which there's two games that Bosby got a lot of action for the Broncos this year, and that was week four against the Jets and then week six against New England, you know, he had three passes defense, Zach, in that Jets game. He played 42 snaps in the in the Patriots game. The Broncos did a good job uh, containing the Patriots passing attack. And that might not be saying much, considering it's kind of in a shambles right now. 
in terms of what Cam Newton's able to do. But nevertheless, Bosby has always been a great instinctual fit in the Fangio scheme because he's so good. In, you know, Fangio loves zone, and Bosby's so good at keeping everything in front of him and then reading the quarterback and reading the, the, his man as it develops in his zone. And then when he sees something happening, he, his click and close, his breaking on that ball, those instincts, you know, I'm not going to say they're Aqib Talib-esque, but they're like that in some ways. Like it's just some guys have that ball skills, that instinct to just be there, and it's very similar. Now, obviously, this is a guy that would have many, many miles to go to even be in the same conversation, in all honesty, as a guy like Aqib Talib. But I think the biggest thing that caused his burnout in Denver, from what I've heard from the people I've talked to, is the neck injury. He Something about it affected his willingness to mix it up, right? He's he's just not as physical a player coming down. And you know how much Fangio prioritizes tackling. But right now the Broncos are between a rock and a hard spot. We still don't know. And Fangio said this today, even though he said we're hopeful we get Bryce Callahan back. We're hopeful we get A.J. Bouye out of uh, concussion protocol. They still don't know. And if you plan on going into next week against the Raiders – with Devontae Harris and sorry, John, we'll get we'll get uh, Cody just one second with with Devontae Harris and uh, Kevin Tolliver as your three and four. Man, you're in for a world of hurt because even though Derek Carr is not exactly a world beater, he is a competent, savvy NFL quarterback, and he's actually playing pretty good ball right now. And they have a lot of weapons. It's not just Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. They have Henry Ruggs. They have Hunter Renfro. They have Nelson Aguilar. They have uh, Brian Edwards, I think his name is. They have a lot of receiving talent out there. And if the Broncos can't stop Zacharias in Atlanta, how are they going to match up with Henry Ruggs? I would love to have Bosby back, but his situation is comparable to that of Demarcus Walker. Whenever he's on the field, he makes plays Walker and Bosby too. But it seems like he can't get out of the doghouse. So there's someone in the organization, and the same can be applied to, to Demarcus Walker as well, whether it's Ed Donatel, Vic Fangio, uh, John Elway, someone calling the shots does not like Bosby. I hope they bring him back. I'm not holding my breath, though. Cody Potter, waiting patiently. Appreciate you, my friend, and your generosity and support for this podcast and for MHH, my friend. Truly a superstar. He says, give coaches some slack. 2020 is just bad luck. They're coaching on the fly with these injuries. The team will be dominant next year. I thought of the draft today, and honestly, not too many holes, just a beat-up squad. Hashtag Mile High Salute. And, Zach, before I serve this over to you, I just want to read to you one of, I think, Fangio's best quotes of the day today. Of course, he's back in Denver, and uh, you know he's, he was asked about the injuries and how at what point does the frustration just boil over and you throw your hands up and here's what he said quote you just have to deal with it a good carpenter doesn't blame his tools he's just got to find a way to go and get the job done that's my mindset with the players that we have and I love all our players they're out there busting their tails each and every week in preparation and during the game they're giving us great effort it's my job to find a way to get the solutions that will lead us to a win and even though Zach the injuries on the defensive side really did catch up to him last week in terms of the the cornerback room. If they could just figure out the offense, if they can get this offense playing even close to the level they do in the fourth quarter in quarters one, two, and three, this would be a team that could compete week in and week out. 
I recognize that injuries are bad luck. I recognize the Broncos have been brutalized, and that just it's just crappy luck. There's no two ways about it. But the the coaching and the play calling, that's not luck, and that's not coincidence. Calling a fourth-and-one shovel or any other random play calls or non-play calls from Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio, the not blitzing in the first half of the season, there's so many things you can name. Those aren't anything other than coaching flubs. You can try to pin an excuse to it, whether it's the ruined offseason or the pandemic or having no preseason. The fact of the matter is the Broncos coaching, Chad, multiple times this year on both sides of the ball, not including Tom McMahon, has come up short. I don't attribute that to anything but failure on the part of the coaching staff. You know, I think there's, again, more than one thing can be true at the same time. We have seen multiple coaching snafus this year. There have been times ongoing including right now at the offense where the coaching has been as much a part of the problem as the injuries or the players and the execution. But at the same time, you know, to the, to Cody's point is these coaches, man, like if you're John Elway and you are Joe Ellis and you're trying to analyze this thing within the scope of all the, just the bad luck that's happened with regard to the injury bug, it's hard to get a true bead and evaluation on just how these coaches are. If you've got the right guys because of that. And so I do give them a break at some point, but you're now at the midway point. All right. You got a whole half of a season under your belt. You're at three and five. The odds don't look good for you to turn the ship around, but you do have a full two quarters of the season to try and make some magic. So if you're going to course correct, Zach, if you're going to put your foot in the ground and pivot, now's the time. And Dave from Georgia, jumping in one of our superstars. Appreciate you, my friend. And uh, much love to you. It's good to have you in the stream. He says, the injuries just suck. Could we make some sort of play to get Bosby back? Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. That That's definitely a possibility. But, Zach, one thing I do wonder as well with Boz is, you know, is there bad blood between him and the team? Obviously, they don't love him or else they never would have risked him cutting him and putting him back out on the street. But at the same time, does Bosby want to go right. back through the rigmarole of this weird cornerback room and these weird cornerback priorities that Fangio and Donatel seem to have? If I'm Devontae Bosby, I'm saying to myself, I've put enough on tape the last year and a half or so where I can go contribute to a team in a passing league right now, especially with the playoff push coming up. Why would I go back to Denver where they valued every other cornerback, including Devontae Harris, including an undrafted rookie, uh, Aseng Bassi over me? So, yeah, I have to wonder. It takes two to tango whether Bosby has interest. But if I'm the Broncos, I'm calling him up right now. That was a, a perfect timing situation for him to be released. Let me just add on to my previous point real quick, Chad. In terms of the coaching staff, how come Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland wasn't affected? That's a first-time head coach, and he has a winning record right now in Cleveland. How come Zach Taylor is making do with Joe Burrow? He had no offseason. So the same excuses and situations apply to 31 other teams. The fact of the matter is, the coaching, and you, could, you guys could admit it, it's okay. It doesn't mean they're terrible. It doesn't mean they have to be all dragged out back and shot on the head. The coaching this year at times has been suspect, and I think that's indisputable to say. Absolutely. It definitely has, and that's, that's one of the points I'm trying to make is that two things can be true at the same time. The one thing I'll say, though, just, just to pick nits a little bit is that Cleveland, um, Cincinnati. Now, I don't, I don't follow them with obviously the same diligence as the Broncos. My job is to cover the Denver Broncos. Every little move, every guy that goes on IR who's the bottom of the depth chart and the practice squad elevations, that's what we do here at MHH. We're, our job is to cover those moves. But I think the Denver Broncos, of all the teams in the NFL, you could maybe put San Francisco up there. There's the, the Cowboys as well. Um, but I think the Broncos emerge at the top in terms of the team. 
most inordinately affected by the injury bug. And you can talk about pandemic. You can talk about a lack of, um, you know, OTAs, a lack of preseason and all that. But this injury thing has really skewed the coaches. And that doesn't give them, if you're, again, if you're, if you're Elway and you're Ellis and you're trying to judge this thing, that's not a complete excuse. That's not a complete out, but it is part of the picture. However, if they don't turn this around, like if they end up going down the stretch in these final eight games, if they only pull out one or two more wins, even in light of all these injuries, how can you say that, how can you believe if you're the front office that you've got the right coaches? That's, that's the question. So fan, so the pressure's on my bottom, the bottom line is here. My point is the pressure remains on Fangio talking about being a carpenter, talking about not blaming the tools and all that. That's fine. And that's a great blurb. That's a great, a great quote for a headline, Zach, but you got to get out there and convert these, yeah. you know, these almost situations, right. And the Broncos are so close here and they're so close there. You got to start turning the ship around because you're running out of you're running out of uh, sand in the hourglass, right? You can have as many you know catchy T-shirt slogans as you want. The fact of the matter is, the NFL is determined by winning. It's what have you done for me lately? That's why they say it stands for not for long. Because when you don't win for a long time, you get fired, and that would apply to Fangio as well. So yes, the pressure is definitely on for the coaching staff. Uh, Josh on Facebook wants to know what the stars are in the comment section with the numbers. Um, it's similar to Super Chat, all right? So on Facebook, one thing they do to monetize pages, to monetize uh, content creators, is this stars thing for live streamers. So it's just another way to support the channel. It's, it's something that goes toward the channel. So it's a, it's a thing our Facebook community can do while we're live. It's only something that can be done while we're streaming to support us, similar to, to Super Chat on YouTube. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, let's grab Mike Evans. Zach, always bringing the great questions and insights and topics. Appreciate this Thank superstar you. and MHH Mount Rushmore member. Mike says, how many games do you think we will win the rest of the season? Appreciate y'all. Zach, we can bring up – this is an interesting point. Um, this is an interesting point because Vegas sees the Broncos before the, the Week 9 game. All right, now that's a loss. But they saw the Broncos as a six-and-a-half to seven-win team. When this is all said and done, based on the first seven games, they saw this shaken out as a six and ten 
maybe a seven and nine team off the cuff though. What's your answer for Mike? Oh, there's so many different things that can be put on the spot. There's so many different things that can impact the Broncos record. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I want to say they can be an eight and 18, but I'm, I'm saying where are those other wins coming from? I feel like they can take down the chargers because they have already, they can at least split with the Raiders. And I think they will this season. There's a couple games up in the air, but even the the lesser teams on the schedule, the Dolphins, for example, are actually a good team this year. They still have uh, the the Bills. They they still have the Saints. They still have a, a lot of tough opponents left. But I just I feel a Broncos big upset brewing in here, and I feel like they're going to pull off a game or two that no one gives them a chance to win. I, I still think the floor is seven to nine, but I, I'm again I would not be surprised if they finish eight and eight this season. So in order for the Broncos to get to seven and nine, they would have to win exactly half of their remaining games. No, so let's take a quick look. Week 10 on the road, their first appearance in the new Allegiant Stadium in Vegas against the Raiders. I see this one as obviously the Raiders are going to be well favored in this one, but dating back to uh, 2016 and beyond, the Broncos have split with the Raiders each season. All right. So Usually it's the home team that has won these games. In this case, it's another reason to favor the Raiders. But, Zach, as good as the Raiders have been at times this year, they're not a juggernaut. They're not, no. you know, the 2016 Raiders, for example, that was a juggernaut. They somehow, you know, put lightning in the bottle. They captured it. And until Derek Carr got hurt, man, they were truly a juggernaut. And the Broncos got trucked by him in that season. But still later on, because – Carr missed the the final couple of games, you know, they were able to split and get the win at home. So Raiders, that's a winnable game, even though it's not in Denver's favor per se. The Dolphins game, as you said, talk about a coach, Zach, though. Talk about a coach that's coaching well. Doing I mean, a great it, job. It, yep. Yeah, Brian Flores has, has proved that the Broncos, I understand why they were hesitant to hire another Belichick, uh, you know, protege. But man, he's sure doing a great job down there in Miami. And this one's in Denver. It's winnable, all right? As you said, Dolphins have momentum, and they've got a dynamic young guy that seems to be flashing in Tua at quarterback, but that's a winnable game. This one, nah, it depends <laughs> on the version of the Saints you get, but it's not looking good, right? It's going to be tough. <laughs> the Saints we saw on Sunday, man, that was yeah. that was like the Saints of yore, the, the old Saints. Uh, and then, of course, Chiefs game. I hate to be this, um, you know, fate accompli, but chalk this one up as a loss, right? Especially because it's in Kansas City. Until proven otherwise, Drew Locke has some sort of mental block with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a loss. All right, Carolina at home, that's on the road. That is a potential winnable game. Now, as you talked about on yesterday's gut reaction, you know, that that offensive coaching staff is doing a good job of putting this group in good positions. And, you know, they got uh, Christian McCaffrey back and Teddy's playing pretty well. They almost beat the Chiefs, almost beat the Chiefs. Should have beat the Chiefs. Still a winnable game, though, right? It just depends on what version of the Broncos you're going to get in Week 14. And then we jump to the Bills. We still don't know exactly when that game is going to take place. That's in Denver. Still, as much as I respect the Bills and as good of a team as they are, I still think that's a team that if you're the Denver Broncos and you actually give them your best shot, that's still a winnable game, even though on the surface it looks like a loss. Okay, And then the Chargers in L.A., Definitely a winnable game if you get the Broncos playing well. And then home against the Raiders. So to answer Mike's question when it's all said and done, all right, I see the Broncos sitting here now at uh, three and five on the season with what we know on their remaining schedule. I think the best case, the absolute best case scenario is nine and seven, is a nine and seven finish. 
but it's probably going to be more around seven and nine, if we're being frank. And obviously that's not going to be good enough, Zach, to get into the playoffs. But if you have some momentum, if the offense turns it around and, you know, wins half of these remaining games, then, you know, maybe it's enough to, to have a little momentum going into this 2021 offseason and, and really focus on getting everybody that's been injured healthy and filling a couple other holes in the draft and in free agency and, and making one last hurrah of the John Elway era in 2021. Playoffs to me, and I hate to say this, I know it's taboo, especially for Denver, but they're secondary. If they finish seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven, they don't get a wild card. Is Drew Locke the quarterback of the future? How is he playing in these games? Is he contributing to the wins or is he adding to the losses? That is the most important question. In terms of the schedule though, Chad, I'm more scared personally of the Bills than I am the Saints. I mean, they took it to Seattle yesterday. And when Josh Allen is on, I was dead wrong about him. I don't know about you. I'm eating crow on Josh Allen. I thought he'd be kind of a, a Paxton Lynch boomer bus guy, but when he's on, he is really, really good. And that defense is playing really good. And one other point about Miami, you mentioned Brian Flores and the coaching staff. They won a game yesterday with Tua. They didn't have an offseason. They didn't have a training camp. They, they didn't have a preseason. So it proves that coaching is always a determining factor. If you have really good coaching, it makes up for a lot of weaknesses otherwise. The success that the Bills are having with Josh Allen is a good example of why you got to have patience, even in the modern NFL with young quarterbacks. Like you, you just have to give it a little time. And the key, though, is teaming that young quarterback up with the right offensive coaches. And unfortunately, you know, you can blame the offseason. You can blame Locke getting hurt in week two and missing the time that he did. Whatever the excuse is, or even the reason, because sometimes an excuse is an actual reason, whatever it might be, the bottom line is so far it's kind of been oil and water with Shermer and Locke. And until they can get that figured out, man, you're just not going to know. So that's the biggest onus. And that's why I will talk about what Fangio said. This is a good opportunity here after we grab Duke super, I'll grab this quote because Fangio did, you know, kind of uh, throw his support behind Shermer today. I want to get to that, but let's grab Duke. One of our bona fide superstars. Good to see you, my friend. Thank hope you. You're, uh, hope you're holding up. Okay. Uh, after last week, he says, with Albert O gone, it takes away Locke's security blanket. And as sucky as Albert O's injury is, Locke now is forced to look elsewhere other than Albert. Yeah, that security blanket in terms of, you know, dating back four or five years in his experience, that's definitely gone. And that is one silver lining. But, Zach, I think that started to shift anyway because, again, yeah. Jerry Judy himself, just in the last two games, 24 targets. Um, KJ Hammer, just the last two games, 11, or excuse me, 13 targets. That doesn't count as his rushes. So he started to look elsewhere. If anything, Duke, I'm looking at this as finally you get more of a focus back on Noah Fant, who, look, he might not have the same chemistry and, and back history with Locke, but he is a much more polished and explosive tight end that can make a yes. difference for you today than Alberto. And he can actually block a little, which Alberto can't. I was going to say, yeah, I know they have history. I know there's familiarity there, but I never thought Alberto was the, was his safety blanket. I always thought that well, last year it was, uh, Cortland Sutton. And this year, I think it was Noah Fan so far. The tight end is always the, the safety valve and Noah Fan is one of the best in the business already. So uh, like we mentioned earlier, the targets that Alberto would have been getting going forward now have to be funneled to Noah Fan. It makes him a better prospect for the rest of the season. It's good for his outlook. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site. 
out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Zeus McPeak jumping in with a very generous super chat saying hi all to everybody. And we uh, we just love and appreciate Stu and everything he does for MHH and the community. And, yeah, you know, this is a shout out, Zach. You know, the headline to this stream was, look, Alberto goes down, but here's why Broncos fans can't tune out. This is a good example of how dedicated our audience in Broncos country really is. Like this is a this is a community of Broncos fans who come, you know, rain, sleet, snow, winds, losses, pandemics, frustration, <laughs> injuries, they're here, Zach. Yeah, pandemics, elections, it doesn't matter what's going on. You know, murder hornets, no matter what's going on in the world, Chad, Broncos country is always here. So I've been saying, even before our podcast, I've been saying way back on the Facebook Live days, Broncos country is the best fan base, not just in the NFL, but in the entire sports landscape. So we salute you guys. Leroy jumping in on Facebook to say the Broncos have to open up the offense from beginning to end, starting with being creative, bootlegs, rollouts, maybe even some RPOs, something. Yeah. And one thing I think that could really help, I I echo that Leroy in terms of creativity and thinking more outside the box is feed the beast. Just let Drew be Drew. Quit trying to fit the round peg in the square hole. And, you know, when, when the Broncos first hired Pat Shermer, Everyone I talk to, I make calls, talk to people, social media, emails, telephone, texting. Tell me about Pat Shermer. Tell me about his offense. And everyone I talked to, Zach, it was, oh, you're going to love it. You know, his scheme, boil it down, it's quarterback friendly. Well, there's a lot of ways you can interpret what quarterback friendly means. But in the, in, in the case of Pat Shermer, that's meant to say that because he spreads things out, because of how he utilizes the nomenclature in the scheme, it, it makes reads and everything easier for the – and it's familiar because quarterbacks come from uh, college, being familiar with and comfortable with the spread and all that stuff. And it just makes things easier on the quarterback. And that's all fine and dandy, but it just hasn't played out that way for Drew Locke. So if you are Pat Shermer, again, one thing that jumps off if you watch these last two fourth quarters is that Pat Shermer just he, – he finally just says, all right, Drew, just do your thing. And yes, it's hard to judge perfectly how well, you know, was it the play calling? Was it the execution? When the, when the opponent goes into a prevent and starts playing off coverage and start just giving up the underneath and all that, you want to start seeing how that could translate in the first, second, and third quarter. But something needs to be done, Zach, to tailor this thing better to Drew Locke's skill set. No matter which way you cut it, 
figure out what Drew loves to do best and just go out there and let him do it. Uh, square pegs and round holes. It's like putting a sandwich in a gas tank, Chad. It, it's, it, it doesn't work at all, and he's trying to make Drew Locke into a quarterback he's not. If you want Alex Smith, go coach the Washington football team. You have Drew Locke. You have a gunslinger who plays best with that backyard football mentality when he plays loose and doesn't think. There's a reason why he responds when he's down by 20 points in the fourth quarter. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. And it's scary, Chad, that a guy who's been an NFL head coach twice now does not master the simple concept of RPOs, shallow crossers, and creativity. I, I tweeted last night there was a touchdown run from last year with Scangarello. It was an RPO featuring Lindsey and Deshaun Hamilton. That was more ingenuity he showed on one play than Pat Schirmer showed the entire season. Where is that creativity? Why, why is it so hard to understand? Play no huddle, play fast, play aggressive. That suits your quarterback. When you slow things down and you and you and you huddle up and you take time off the clock, you're doing Drew Locke a disservice. He's had enough time now, Chad. We're going into week ten. What is the excuse for Pat Schirmer not mastering elementary football one-on-one concepts? There is none. It's shoddy coaching. And the best coaches in the league, especially offensively, but it's a cuts on all three phases. They tailor things to the players. They tailor the scheme and what, you know, they got a playbook, right? You got a thousand plays in a playbook or whatever. You tailor those, you pick the ones that fit your players. You fit the ones, especially on offense, that, fit, that, that are your, your quarterback is most comfortable with. Uh, BG, Brian Greenfield jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Talk about a longtime listener and superstar. He says, what are your guys' thoughts on the outcome of next week's game? I feel we'll get no. blown out. No. I guarantee you, maybe I shouldn't do this, but I really don't <laughs> think it'll be a blowout. It might end up being a loss, okay, because the Raiders have played some pretty good football at times this year, Zach. And, you know, they're sitting there with a decent record at the halfway point, but I just don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't see it that way. I think the Broncos' defense, especially if they get back Callahan and Bouye, you're going to, and you'll have Harris back for sure. All right. I think you'll get a better version of the Broncos' defense, and that'll make a difference. Because look, against all odds, they stopped the run. You know, they limited Atlanta to 92 rush yards without Shelby and without Mike Purcell. And so you get Shelby back next week, and, you know, you've plugged the, the holes in the secondary. Suddenly it's, only one rookie on the field and a rookie who's played more games well than he has bad in Michael Ojemudia. Um, I like their odds. And it's just a matter of, again, if Drew Locke and Pat Shermer can right. freaking get on the same page. Right. But you know what? You know, last week it was all about stopping the passing attack. I'm not worried about too much. Henry Ruggs, who didn't catch a pass uh, in yesterday's game, Derek Carr. If you stop Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker, who's doing really well in Vegas now, former Broncos running back, you stop Jacobs, Booker, and Darren Waller, you have a chance to win this game. I'm not scared of the Raiders. This is a very winnable opponent. But like Chad said, I don't want to jinx it because we said the same thing about the Atlanta game. I thought that was a win, uh, for the most part, an easy victory for the Broncos. And they came in and, and, and really showed out pretty poorly. They should be able to be competitive if they allow Josh Jacobs to average five yards a carry. If they don't cover Darren Waller, it's going to be a long day. But this is a winnable opponent, with or without, Chad. Hopefully they have Boye and Callahan back. W- without them, though, they can win this game. Yeah, I mean, this is one thing we said, and then we'll grab Boba here, uh, after yesterday's game is that, look, you know, we still have to make our picks each week. That's what we do with the, the Mile High Roundtable. But – you just the truth is you just don't really know yet what version of the Broncos you're going to get on a given game day. So all we can do is take all the information and when push comes to shove and the time comes to make the pick, go with your gut and let the chips fall. 
Uh, Boba wants to know on uh, YouTube. Thank you, my friend, uh, for the question and for listening. He says, so from this point and all the games Locke has played, do you think he is the guy? Um, you know, look, this we talked about this yesterday. Let me just put it to you this way. Okay, Boba, I still think Drew Locke very well could be the guy. I haven't seen anything from him definitive that c- completely dissuades me, Zach, of all the optimism and some of the things that we said during the offseason in terms of, you know, this is a this is a guy that has franchise tools. This is a guy that has potential in spades. I haven't seen enough yet for me to throw that out the window. There's been enough that's concerning. There's been enough where we've seen him regress at times in terms of the, um, you know, fading back in the pocket, bailing the pocket too early, not minding his technique, not trusting his protection, not reading the field well, not going through his progressions. And then it bounces back, right? And then all of a sudden he course corrects, but it's fleeting. And then so too many one step forward, two step back type scenarios. But for me, Zach, there hasn't been anything definitive enough to tell me he's not the guy. Now, the devil's advocate argument to that is, well, hey, if by this point you don't know he's the guy, then he ain't the guy. Like that's your answer in and of itself. And I do dispute that. I, I really do because, again, go back to Denver Broncos circa 06, 07, and 08, all right? Jay Cutler was a first-round pick. He ends up uh, deposing Jake Plummer halfway through the 06 season. Comes in and flashes, but doesn't. the results don't come for the team. They end up backing out and losing the playoffs, even though they were in first place in the AFC West when uh, Jay, Jay Cutler, that is, took over for Plummer. Then fast forward to 2007. The Broncos go seven and nine with Cutler. Doesn't look good. It's it's and you know it's like it's just nothing to really hang your hat on. And then in 2008, Cutler finally takes that step forward. And even though it didn't result in great team success because the Broncos defense that year was just atrocious, he made it to the Pro Bowl. And you realize, hey man, the Broncos have something. Think back. Broncos fans were so stoked on Jay Cutler that year. That's why when when Josh McDaniels came in and traded him away. I honestly believe that if Jay Cutler never gets traded from the Denver Broncos, his NFL arc is completely different. His momentum, his energy, his juice, the whole nine yards changed when he got dealt away, and all the expectations shifted and changed for him as well in Chicago. If he stays in Denver, that doesn't happen, in my opinion, and we'd be talking about a whole different Jay Cutler. And the reason I go down this path, though, Zach, this little tangent is it took three years for that first-round pick to begin to pay the type of dividends um, that it did. And so, yeah, the whole point of if you don't know now, you, you he's probably not the guy. Then if you don't know by now, then that's your answer in and of itself. I do refute that devil's advocate position. I don't describe to that as well. It, it takes They say it, it takes at least three years to evaluate any prospect. And to me, it takes a lot longer when you have a, a raw quarterback like Drew Locke. And to extend to your answer, which I agree with, it's TBD for me. We don't know whether he's the guy, but we don't know if he's the guy or not. We don't know one way or the other. I would like to see Drew Locke play a full season. He didn't do that last year. I'd like to see Drew Locke play a full season with his supporting cast. We didn't see it this year. I'd like to see Locke without Pat Shermer as his play caller. We're not going to see that hopefully until next year. So he hasn't been given a full shake. Whereas a player like Kyler Murray last year started all 16 games and returned to the same system. You can judge Drew Locke on a handful of games. He's very much still in development. He's very much still uh, in vitro, if you want to say, Chad. He's a fetus growing. He's not yet a baby. He's not yet out into the world. He's still developing and finding himself as an NFL quarterback. So it's TBD for me. We don't know. Hopefully by January 1st, we have a more clearer picture. All right, let me grab this one here from Charlie, who says, what about Callahan, Bouye, Dotson, Glasgow? 
Shelby, and whoever else we missed Sunday. So for their outlook for next week, basically they said that Fangio's hopeful they'll get the two corners back. Harris and Glasgow are expected back. Uh, We don't know yet on Fant for sure or Dotson, but Fangio said there hasn't been anything to say they're not going to be available. So, you know, it's too early for sure to say that on Fant and Dotson. I would be stunned if Bouye doesn't make it out of concussion protocol this week. I am a little bit concerned about Callahan because we did get some additional context on Callahan's injury this morning from Fangio. And what he said was, so Callahan has that great game against the Chargers, right? Week eight has that monumental pick in the end zone that helps shift the momentum for the Broncos and keeps a touchdown or at least a field goal at worst off the board after Locke had thrown that pick himself. Well, he has this dominant game. And then he wakes up Monday morning and his ankle is swollen. He didn't realize he had hurt his ankle. He just woke up that morning and it was all swole. And so the Broncos go, all right, well, let's put him on the injury report, get him treatment. Well, he says the ankle didn't respond to treatment. Now, exactly what that means, maybe we'll find out in the coming days. And that's why he ended up being a scratch on Sunday. Just knowing what we know about Callahan's lower body from last year, it does concern me, knock on wood. But Fangio doesn't seem to be panicked or anything about it. He says that he is hopeful that he'll be good to go this week. Is it the same ankle or the same foot he hurt last year? Don't know. That's that's the concerning part for me. If it's the same foot and he's not really recovering as they thought, uh, that could be a problem. Hopefully, fingers crossed, that's not too serious. The best best cornerback on the Broncos this year by far. Kenneth Booker, talk about a superstar. Love you, buddy. And I'm told by John we did miss one of your supers yesterday, so – you just reach out to me, my friend. You let me know how we can make that up to you. You know, far be it from us, it takes a watershed and just an overwhelming number to uh, miss a super chat. And so you just reach out, DM me, whatever. We'll find a way to make up, uh, make it up to you. Carte blanche to you, my friend. He says they need to run uh, no huddle more often with luck. Absolutely. And yep. why, Zach, does it take till the fourth quarter? Like, I understand, again, because when you there's, – there's a give-take. When you run no huddle – even though you say, oh, it's easy, just get out there. They're, they don't huddle. They put it to the defense and, you know, tempo, tempo, tempo. It does come at a cost. Communication can break down a lot easier. Things can go haywire if you're just constantly no huddle and you don't have Peyton Manning controlling things or Tom Brady or Drew Brees or one of these all-timers, right? And so it does come at a cost. I understand why you don't go no huddle twenty, you know, through the whole game. I get that. But why does it <clears throat> literally take you having your back against the wall to pepper it in a little bit into your scheme? Well, here's the answer, because it's not what Pat Shermer wants to do. He does it when he has no other choice. And it's like, oh, my game plan, whatever that may be on a given week, and that hasn't worked, okay, throw all it out. Let's try the kitchen sink. Let's go no huddle. It's the same answer he gave when he was asked about it before the game. He's like, oh, well, maybe that would work. That sounds like a good idea. It's not what he wants to do. He wants to play lock in a phone booth and coach him like he's Case Keenum and not unleash him. You know, I saw a comment by Christy in the in the comments, unleash Drew Locke. It's like, let Russ cook in Seattle. Unleash Locke. Let him play his game, and you'll reap the benefits. Why, when you're keeping him in chains and you're keeping him under wraps, you're doing the Broncos a major disservice. Uh, this question here from Kenneth, what about Jeff Hireman? To my knowledge, Jeff Hireman is still a free agent. So, Zach, unless you've heard something, maybe I missed something, I'm pretty sure he's still a free agent, so that could be an option for Denver too, but it's <laughs> – It's more of the tired, same old thing. That's just like an emergency depth guy. Look, you have Noah Fant. So keep your fingers crossed. Sacrifice a goat or two to the football gods and just pray that Fant can stay healthy through the season. And you're going to be okay at tight end. It only becomes DEFCON 5 if Fant goes down, knock on wood. 
I was going to pray that Hyreman stays a free agent. I want nothing to do with him. They have no offense. They invested a first-round pick. And how about Locke? Instead of those reps going to Hyreman or some other Jag veteran tight end, how about those reps go? Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, the young receivers who are building a rapport with their young quarterback. That's what it should happen. All right, we got a super here from Justin Martin. And then I found this tweet that I want to get your take on here, Zach, and share with the community here in just a second. Justin Martin jumping in. A guy that has just become a bona fide superstar here at MHH. Love you, Justin. Appreciate you, my dog. He says, I'm so tired of all the fans that just bash Locke every chance they get. He's been through the ringer, and people need to be patient. I do. I Listen, on one hand, I understand the criticism. You know, Locke's a big boy. He's an NFL starting quarterback. And when you don't, when you play uneven and inconsistently, you're going to, and you lose, you're going to be open to criticism. But at the same time, yes, I do think Broncos fans could use a little more patience. But Zach, it's just been so long, right? It's been five years of this. And I understand why Broncos fans are getting fed up, but you're so close to breaking through to the light at the end of that tunnel. So just stay patient. You've gone this far. Stay patient just a little while longer. I don't want to denigrate an entire fan base, and I understand it's been five years, and, you know, what have you done for me lately? And Broncos fans are used to that championship standard, and they've been playoffless for half a decade now, but they finally have a young quarterback, and they watch other young quarterbacks, some Broncos fans around the NFL, and they see that they're up and down. They see it takes a time. They see it, it's a process, and it's, it's, a, it's just an up-and-down scenario, yet when it applies to Drew Locke, they want instant results. And that's also the state of where we are as a society through social media. Everyone wants results right now. No one has patience anymore. No one wants to wait anymore. People want things spoon-fed to them. Well, this is one thing in life and in the NFL that's not going to be spoon-fed. 
quarterback development, the rawer the quarterback, the longer the development process is. And it's going to play out whether you like it or not. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be maddening. But it's a necessity and a requisite for a young quarterback in the NFL. You have to get used to that. Especially if there's any sort of team instability. Like, let's just compare it just for a second here with some of the young quarterbacks that have popped right out of the box. Kyler Murray. I wouldn't even say last year he popped out of the box. Like, he's popping this year, but it took some time on task. It took some reps. But he's had, for the most part, um, stability on the coaching level, right? He's had the same OC, Cliff Kingsbury. He's had, you know, they they put more pieces around him and whatnot, but coaching stability and time on task consistently, no injuries. He's been able to stave off the, the bug, and it's reaping benefits, right? Some of the other guys, Justin Herbert, to him, to me, that is such a new situation that I just want to see more results. I want to see him stack right. a dub or two. It's like the same argument, for example, that uh, Colin Cowherd has with Drew Locke, win more games. That's still my same argument. That doesn't take away from how well Herbert has played at times, and he really has been a revelation. Like, I'm eating crow because I wasn't huge on Herbert. He's played very, very well, but uh, it's still, for me, way too early to crown him because the results aren't coming out in the wash. There are other guys like Joe Burrow. Again, he's a rookie, but he's so there hasn't really been an opportunity for him to not have coaching consistency or, or organizational inconsistency. But that's one thing that is a mitigating factor here, Zach, is that Drew Locke, look, he gets hurt as a rookie, goes a mile. I mean, he his quantum leap in development from the third preseason game to when he finally started in week 13, it really was a quantum leap. Plays well down the stretch. Then they fire his quarterback's coach. Then they fire his offensive coordinator. In comes Pat Shermer, and no, Vic Fangio didn't have a crystal ball. He couldn't have known that there were he was going to lose out on 1,400 reps because of a pandemic. That probably would have affected his decision, but nevertheless, it's turnover at the coaching level, and then he gets hurt again. So these ups and downs all factor in, and then we get to what Terry Wayne Carpenter Jr. tweeted on Sunday, Zach, and this is what I wanted to get your thoughts on. He, this is Terry Wayne. He says, quote, the way these games go, I feel like the first half is what the Broncos planned to do. And the second half is what Drew Locke wants to do. Just conjecture, but that appears to be what's happening. Maybe just let Drew Locke be Drew Locke and run the offense he likes. And look, if it was only one time, Zach, if this had only been an, one instance, I I would say ah, that's an outlier. But it's now happened in a few games since he's been back with Pat Shermer. It's a pattern. I think we need to acknowledge it. It's been a pattern since week one, and I called it out then. And and you mentioned those quarterbacks. You mentioned in Cincinnati, Arizona. You mentioned Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. Uh, uh, all those have one common denominator the Broncos do not have, Chad. And you can also extend that to Lamar Jackson. You can also extend that to Josh Allen. They all have, and Tua in Miami, all good coaching. When you have great coaching, it can take a good player and make them a great player. It can take an okay player and make them a good player. If you put... Drew Locke, in those coaching staffs, I guarantee you he's a lot better on paper in the stat sheet than what he's performing in Denver so far. I promise you that. Organizational stability plays a role. It's a bigger role than people realize in how these quarterbacks come out of the box and dominate. Uh, Let's grab this super here from BG. Appreciate you, my dog. He says, Zach, did you ever think that Bowles might be the best player on our roster this season? LMFAO. Yeah, it is. It is really a you know uh, upside down world that we're in with regard to that because the offensive line again yesterday was horrendous in the first half. Let me drop some stats on you, Zach, and then you respond here. In the first half, the Denver Broncos offensive line, when it was a Philip Lindsay or a Melvin Gordon carry, averaged 1.1 yards. 
per carry in the first half. By the end of the game, with those two running backs, all right, they combined for a 2.92 yards per carry average on the road against not a very formidable Falcons defense. Like, they were horrendous. Yes, you lost your, your right tackle halfway through, and Jake Rogers came in and wasn't good. But Garrett Bowles, again, played an excellent game. He bounced back from that outlier the, the week prior with the three penalties, and Munchak was back on the sideline. Surprise, surprise. Well, I take umbrage with the question because I don't think Garrett Bowles has been the Broncos' best player. That's been far and away Sam Martin for me, for sure. The Broncos <laughs> player, no. no, I give Garrett Bowles his due. I mean, he – and what encourages me, Chad, is, yeah, he looked good out of the gates, and that could have been just a lucky streak, but he looked really bad two weeks ago and rebounded yesterday by looking much better. So it seems like the new Garrett Bowles is here to stay, and he might be playing himself into a contract, but until that point comes where he breaks down again, I got to give him his credit. A lot of crow eating for Garrett Bowles. Absolutely. All right, uh, John, we need Jeff, if you got him, Jeff C., <clears throat> one of our superstars, consistent as the day is long. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff. He said, uh, he says, I said, let's see how he responds. Talking about Locke. His fundamentals are awful. Wished I saw improvement by now. Can't win in this league with sloppy technique. Yes, indeed. It's it's not been consistent. And I think part of that, and by the way, thank you for the super chat, fishing with Cindy and Don really does mean a lot to us. Thank you. Yes. Um, part I'm of that, yes, Zach, the fading back, the drifting and all that stuff, not trusting the O-line, you know, it's a fine line. You know, it's a chicken and egg. Like, which comes first, the trust, all right, or or the uh, – what's a better way to put it? The lack of trust? No, I'm going to go a different direction. Let me just pl- lay it out plain and simple, all right? The Denver Broncos offensive line was hemorrhaging interior pressure in the first half. All right, so Locke starts bailing early. And then in the second half, uh, they start stiffening up a little bit inside, but then the right tackle goes down, and suddenly you're getting edge pressure off the right side from Jake Rogers. So you can't win for losing. And, yes, in those situations, you would like to see Locke's technique, especially in terms of his footwork, trusting his protection, staying in the pocket, climbing the ladder, all those things. You want to see that. But it's hard to completely jump to conclusions, Jeff, on that when your your offensive line is just not doing its job. Let me make three points real quick. I know we're kind of uh, getting close on time here. The first point I want to make is Drew Locke, that's on him. That's a flaw of his game that has to be improved. I don't want to come across as an, a Locke apologist or making excuses. He has to be better. But second of all, the, the drifting, you saw it with uh, Driscoll when he c- came in the game when Dr- Drew Locke got injured. He was drifting as well. It's a byproduct of the offensive line surrendering pressure. And that happened a lot when Wilkinson was in the game and DeMar Dotson went down yesterday. You guys saw it on the Grady Jarrett uh, pressure and the, the lock interception. It came untouched. What quarterback has a chance to get that? Every time he stepped up yesterday, he was facing pressure. And it's not always a sack. It's not always a hit. When he feels that in the pocket, he can feel the rush. That also affects his psyche. So that's been heavy. hemorrhaging but stunning his development as well and also I want to say the third point where is the coaching good coaching can can take that drill that out of him Chad they can take that trade and throw it away they can reduce bad habits or at least hide the bad habits and by doing that where's the trickery where's the creativity where are the rollouts where are the RPOs if Locke still has that tendency and you can't coach it out all in one year the least you can do as a coordinator and a quarterback whisperer is hide that weakness so it's not all on Drew Locke. He has to be better, but he's getting no help, I think, from a supporting cast or his coaching staff. KR, the queen of MHH, jumping in. Appreciate you. Love you. Good to see you in the chat, as always. She says, why 
Devontae Bosby was released by two teams now is a head scratcher. Yeah. Hmm. Thanks, guys. And go Broncos. That's a good point. It is curious. I think part of it is just simply the plight of a bubble guy. Like he's just been a bubble guy. Um, and maybe there's just something to the whole neck thing, right? Because he had a cervical sprain last year. That's what cost him from week five on. Um, and you know, when you lose feeling in your extremities from the neck down for a full half an hour, man. Like I can see how that could really get to you. And I'm not saying that's exactly what's going on. I've just, those are just some of the rumblings I've heard from, yeah. from, you know, people in the, in the know. It's never a great sign when you're cut twice in a week or so, but you know, with the Cardinals, I feel like it was a matter of a numbers game. They had other cornerbacks coming back and he was just an emergency option, but in Denver, the way they mess with him the entire offseason with his contract and then cutting him and practice squatting and promoting and then cutting, it just doesn't seem like they value Bosby. It's either the tackling, the injury, or like I mentioned, he's doing something behind the scenes that's pissing the coaching staff off. We don't know, but I, it has to be one of those three things, Jed. Our friend Tony of Discount Audio and Wills in Los Angeles jumping in. Appreciate your support you. as always, my friend. Talk about a bona fide superstar. He says, what's up, fellas? Let's give the wide receivers some love the guys are getting open. The O-line not helping Locke. He tends to not step up in the pocket and bails. Still a baller, just needs to develop pocket presence. I think if the offensive line could stabilize, and I'm hoping that getting Graham Glasgow back at right guard, even though he hasn't been great, just having that veteran presence and that stability, you know, in an ideal world, you get DeMar Dotson back this week from that groin. It was a groin injury. Fangio sounded hopeful on that. Maybe you start getting better overall execution from the unit, Zach, and that would trickle downhill. I mean, it might take a little time for Locke to, to, to trust his protection, but he has to resist the urge to bail like he's been doing. Right. You know, he's just got to – and look, when you go back and watch the film, the All-22 of the fourth quarters of these last two games, he trusts the protection. And in the game uh, Sunday against Atlanta – there were a lot more times where he did bail the pocket and, you know, the rushing touchdown where he just got out there and said, you know, find a way, make a way. And he got it done. But by and large in those fourth quarters, he trusts the protection and it pays dividends for him because his technique, his fundamentals, his, his platform are solid. And so the velocity is there and the accuracy. Yeah. I mean, again, it's on him, whether he drifts and his footwork and his technique and not getting rid of the ball and and taking unnecessary hits. That's all on Drew. But football is a team game for a reason. It's not one-on-one. It's 11-on-11. And he has to get help from a supporting cast. They have to catch the passes. Uh, Judy had a bad drop yesterday. The Tim Patrick should have been a touchdown. That was P.I. And the offensive line surrendering pressure on almost every single dropback. What quarterback can succeed like that? And then on top of it, you have questionable, to put it kindly, play calling and situational management. It's just a catastrophe. It's a recipe for disaster, Chad. You just hope that at some point Locke can just say, look, I have to be the one that overcomes all this. Like, I have to be the guiding light. I have to be the stabilizing force. And I just think that there hasn't been enough time on task. There's something Fangio said I want to get to after we grab Casey's super here. And that kind of bolsters that. Casey, jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, a huge problem is we coach scared, which is only going to get worse. It's time to grow a pair. The front office never had a real plan. What is our identity? I don't know about the front office never had a real plan. I mean, this is their plan. Drew Locke, Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, that's their plan. What they couldn't account for is a virtual epidemic of injuries I've never seen before. Like, there were some Chargers teams over the last 
10 years that came close to approaching just how big of a plight the Broncos have faced on that scale. But to say that the front office didn't have a plan is, I think, a little misguided. However, you can pick a nit and say, look, the, whatever the plan was, it's not shaken out. I, I think on a macro level, I agree the Broncos had a plan. But on a micro level, I agree with the comment. On offense, at least, what was the identity? Were they a ground-and-pound team, a running and, and strong defense? Are they a passing team with Drew Locke? And that's where I fall not only Shermer and Shula, but also Vic Fangio. We keep mentioning, and it's true, Chad, he's the coach of all three sides of the ball. He needs to get in there and stop being so passive. He needs to put his stamp on the team, whether that's a pass first team or a run first team. It has to come from Fangio. And like you mentioned yesterday, he's delegated too much to his assistants. And we've seen what happens when you give the keys to Pat Shermer, he's going to crash the car. Vic Fangio needs to be in the, in the, in the control in the driver's seat, not the passenger seat. And Zach, this is something Christy jumping in again. Love you. She says, hashtag unleash lock. Amen. Sister. Um, this is something that we've been complaining about on this podcast for two months now, which is where's the identity. And I think the injuries have played a role in that in being unable to really forge that. But Zach, yesterday was a case in point. You couldn't run the ball. You could not establish the run. You think, oh, well, it's Philip Lindsay. It's our running game. That's our identity. That's, that's kind of been our bread and butter. That's helped keep the offense afloat until Locke pulls his head out in the fourth quarter. It was nowhere to be found yesterday. I mean, that was a non-existent drew lock led the team in rushing for crying out loud with 47 yards and and big fangio keeps talking about how exact they need to fix uh the the passing game but here's something that he said with regard to the offense that i want to get your take on real quick uh he was asked today you know a few few different names were mentioned and forgive me i forget which uh journalist asked him this question but he was asked, you know, they, a few names were listed. Jerry Judy, you got KJ Hamler, you got Noah Fant, you got Phillip, you got Melvin, you got all these uh, weapons. Do you still think, Andrew, uh, that this is, you have the makings of, on offense, a special group? Or is it, and it, if it's special, is it just a matter of, you know, they got some growing to do? And here's what Fangio said, quote, all of the above. I think they have a chance to be really, really good, but they have a lot of growing to do also. Part of that growing is just playing together. Playing together means practicing. The more these guys can rep together on the practice field and in the games, the better off we'll be. We like all those guys that you mentioned, and we think they can develop into a good group of quarterback and wide receivers and give us a good passing game, close quote. So I think, again, Zach, the reason I wanted to bring this up to you is that, look, you know, yes, on one hand you say, look, the the stunted offseason where – all teams lost 14 to 1600 reps of practice in OTAs and, and preseason that affected all teams, but the teams that had a first year quarter uh, coordinator and a first year quarterback were inordinately affected. And then Zach, you throw in drew lock getting injured in week two. And that to me was the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of throwing off the entire chemistry of this thing, getting on its feet. And it might not finally get on its feet till the final two quarters of the season at some point. And by then it might just be too late for 2020. Well, speaking to the quote directly, I'm buying in if this is September 9th, October 9th, but we're entering week 10 now. And if you're saying they're still a young team, they have to practice and play together, how many more games until that excuse no longer holds water? Uh, It just seems like more coach speak, and I I understand the point he's trying to make there, but it's wins and losses, it's the results. And I want to see what can you do, not what you say. That's what I judge the Broncos and Fangio on. Our friend, uh, formerly known as uh, Fig Vids, Jonathan Figueroa jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, Locke is my guy and will be Denver's guy at season's end. We will beat the Raiders 28-21. Feed Lindsey. 
play defense, and let Locke play loose and fun. Amen, my friend. Appreciate that, Jonathan. We're running out of time, so we got to rapid-fire a few of these comments. John, real quick, I want to grab Cindy and Don here, who just have a comment. They supered without a comment, and then this is what I think they meant to say. With a good O-line, heck, Daniel Jones would be a good quarterback. Whoa, I don't know whoa. why people put <laughs> – I don't know why – People uh, put little weight on a good line. O-line is everything in the NFL. Without one, it doesn't matter who's at quarterback. Zach, your thoughts on that overall? I, I agree with the premise. and I, Daniel Jones is just a terrible quarterback. Nothing can save that guy. He's a turnover machine. But, yeah, it doesn't matter uh, if you have Elway in his prime, Montana in his prime. If you can't pass protect, if he's getting hit on every drop back, it doesn't matter who you have back there. And, and again, the one constant, you mentioned the young quarterbacks around the NFL in Arizona, Carolina, Cincinnati, they all have good protection. Even in Cleveland, they've protected Baker Mayfield better this season. Not perfectly, but better. So uh, it's absolutely up front. And that's why they say the game is won and lost in the trenches. They have a great defensive line. Now the offensive line has to pull their own weight as well. All right, we got Duke jumping in again. Love you, Duke. Appreciate you, my dog. And loving the Santa Claus vibe that you got going here. He says, Locke's giving Shermer the finger after the first half. It's not a Jekyll and Hyde situation. It's just Locke being rebellious against Shermer. What do you think, Zach? Rebellious? I don't know about that. I think it's just a young quarterback going through the struggles of being a young quarterback, and then that's compounded by having a, a coordinator and a play caller who does not match with his personality or play style. I think it really comes down to that. That's my opinion. I'm sure you guys disagree. I don't think Locke is doing anything uh, purposely combative to Pat Shermer. I just don't think they're a good match at all. Real quick from Richie Rich, who is a great supporter of MHH. Appreciate you, Richie. But he's got a a bone to pick here. He says, chat, because I brought up Jay Cutler and having patience and comparing him to Drew Locke. Quarterbacks from the 06-07 era had different college stats. Back then, quarterbacks had more of a running game, less passing experience. Newer quarterbacks, Locke included, have thrown so many more balls. They should be better sooner. Let's just test that. All right, just through the box score. Far be it from me to be the box score scout here, but you're talking reps, right? How many times they threw. Let's just take a quick look. All right, Jay Cutler. Uh, total total attempts passing in college at Vanderbilt, four seasons in the SEC. He threw it 1,242 times, all right? 1,242 attempts. Drew Locke, four years in the SEC, did throw it more, 1,500, 1,553 reps compared to Jay Cutler. Now the difference in terms of games, let's just take a quick look. Pretty close in terms of games uh, that they appeared in in college. So there is some truth to that. So what I would ask you, Richie, is are the 300 more passing attempts that Drew Locke got in college enough to justify that premise? And I'm not I don't really have an answer for you at this point, but it's something to think about. Jess, CO13 Sports jumping in. Appreciate you, my dog. Al Wilson's hit on Tyrone Wheatley on fourth down. Let's go. That is a glorious hit. And if if we weren't subject to copyright, I'd pull it up right now and show it to you guys because it is phenomenal in the snow. Legendary. Smoke dog. It's why we named Al Wilson. We got that comment on, on last week's pod about the hardest hitters after you know, the Kareem Jackson hit. Now Wilson was the honorable mention behind the three we, we that we named. There you go. All right, uh, John, let's see here. I want to – all right, we got Ridge Stimson jumping in. Good to Thank see you, my friend. Another guy who's come on strong of late as a superstar. Really appreciate you, man. And if you're on Twitter, reach out and connect with us because we want to be able to tag you and connect with you after each and every show. He says, I know every Broncos fan can feel in their gut the superstar talent in Locke. It just feels different compared to an average quarterback. Patience, everyone. You know, he does have 
that it factor. It's just frustrating that he's not being able to put the put it all together consistently. And all we can hope at this stage is that the patients will eventually, and as, as Fangio says, you know, the reps together and the time on task and sure. And eventually, eventually it's got to come together, but it might take all of 2020 for it to really coalesce. I'm a big fan of Drews, and I definitely don't see him as an average quarterback, like a you know just a vanilla quarterback, like a Minshew or like a Case Keenum. But I I don't see superstar either. And I'm going to be honest with you: when I watch Locke, I, I don't see Patrick Mahomes. And I think if you see that a little on the delusional end, he's not there yet. I think he has star talent, Chad, and star potential, but superstar potential. Uh, he has a ways to go. He has to hit some passes more consistently and clean up that footwork before he reaches that level. Black Knight, 232, just knocking our socks off, wow. blowing our hair back here off the top rope. Very generous. Thank you so you much. Yeah. Thanks, my dog. Really means a lot. And this is a guy that's uh, dedicated to the show, big-time member of the community. Got a lot going on his end of things with his uh, gaming crew and all that stuff, but uh, we do appreciate you not only making time for us, but supporting the cause like this, my friend. It means a lot. He says, so can we fire our special teams coach for all the lower body injuries? Or Excuse me strength and conditioning coach for all the lower body injuries yet. And also our uh, special teams. If our OC is holding lock back, then changes need to be made ASAP. I think the fans patience is running out and it's time for lock to put up or shut up. There's some truth to that put up or shut up element, but it's going to be over an eight week period here on out. Interestingly, Zach, before I serve this back to you, I don't know how much down the rabbit hole I want to go on the strength and conditioning and all that stuff. It's just, it's kind of counterproductive, and it runs so so uh, counter to accepted NFL orthodoxy that it's just it's a hornet's nest. But with regard to special teams, Zach, we learned from Vic Fangio that that weird timeout in the first half where, oh, it looks like on they're going to trot Brandon McManus out there to do 59-yard field goal attempt in a dome. I know the, the, the dome was open, but, you know, in perfect conditions. And then now let's punt it. Well, it turns out it was – Fangio called that timeout because he wanted to do it. Tom McMahon ended up talking him out of it. So what the heck, dude? And then, of course, you had the head scratching. How do you get uh, illegal substitution on a kick return, <laughs> dog? Negating a, not only a really good return from Tyree Cleveland, but one that actually also picked up an additional 15 yards because of a face mask. That face mask gets negated because of this lapse every week lately, it's just been a special teams lapse of some form or another. Again, Black Knight, love you, dog. Listen, Tom McMahon is trash. We all know that. He should have been fired. But this is where I go back to the Fangio being a head coach. Okay, Tom McMahon gives his input, but Fangio has the final call. If you have enough conviction, if you think you're doing what's in the best interest of the team, go ahead and do it. Overwrite him. You're going you're gonna to make the right call if you trust your gut and trust your coaching instinct. Relying on Tom McMahon, of all people, is a recipe for catastrophe. He needs to go, but Fangio needs to take some accountability, not only for keeping McMahon, but listening to him. I would tune out everything that guy says. I mean, the thing about Shermer, though, getting rid of Shermer, is I think that his Fangio really hitched his start to Shermer. That, that decision to fire Skangarello after one year, and, you know, you're really falling on a sword if you – if you if you fire Shermer now, you know you got Mike Shula waiting in the wings. We talked about this yesterday. A very accomplished play caller in his own right. He was the brainchild of that 2015 Carolina Panthers offense in which they dominated the competition. Explosive offense. Cam Newton MVP of the league. Go on to the Super Bowl, etc. You got a guy like that waiting in the wings, but Fangio would really have to fall on a grenade and make himself look bad. Yeah. 
if there ends up being a scapegoat after the season, it's probably going to be Shermer, to be honest with you. Only time will tell. Uh, NH5, Zach jumping in, and then we got to dip on out of here for tonight. He says, what's up, guys? Checking in late. Tough game. I hope the coaching staff across the board can figure things out. I'm not giving up yet. Let's go defense. Well said, my friend. It's just frustrating. What are you going to do? you got to call a spade a spade sometimes. And, you know, there's still plenty of season left. And that was the message that I wanted to impart to everybody at the top of this uh, podcast. Hang in there. There's still a lot that could happen. Stranger things have happened in this, uh, you know, the the time-honored tradition of the Denver Broncos. So, you know, stay the course. Yeah, and we still have a lot of opportunity and games left to see if Locke is the guy or if he's not the guy. And it's the same thing the Chargers are doing. I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs, but they are answering to themselves every single week. Is Herbert the guy going forward? And for them, it looks like, yes, the Broncos have to have that answer as well. You're going to have some young talent blossom. They can still win some games, upset upset some opponents. A lot of season left to go. Don't, you know, jump off the ledge just yet. Hang in there and see what happens against a bitter rival on Sunday. Charlie, maybe that is. Tom McMahon's ultimate philosophy is like the, the movie Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, always be closing if you're a salesman. Always be punting. Just kick the ball away. Right? Give it back to the opponent. Maybe that is his defining philosophy. But, gang, we got to dip on out of here for tonight. Thanks to each and every one of you for giving us an hour of your time. And even if you didn't spend the whole hour, by the way, the metrics on the back end of our, our analytics, both on YouTube and Facebook, the vast majority of our audience does stay for this entire hour when we're live. So thanks to each and every one of you for spending time with us. And those of you listening as a podcast after the fact, we love each and every one of you as well. You're all each and every one of you numbered in our hearts. In the meantime, follow the podcast on Twitter, please, at HuddleUpPod. We appreciate it. Also on uh, the main account, at MileHighHuddle. My partner, Zach Kelberman, at KelbermanNFL. And myself, at Chad and Jensen. Also a shout out to our producer, John K. You want to reach out and connect with him on Twitter. Trust at John K. MHH. Zach, we're off tomorrow night. You know, the, the community gets building the Broncos. They get Nick and Carl. I'm sure they have a great show planned for you. And then, uh, you know, you and I will reconvene Wednesday. We'll start looking at the Raiders a little bit more and and uh, kind of take it from there. We'll have a clearer picture, too, as to who's going to play in this game, what stars are coming back, what injured players are playing or not playing. So we should have, a, you know, a, the, be- the better Broncos chances on Sunday, on Wednesday's show. So look forward to seeing you then. Mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars. We love you guys. You blow us away, seriously, each and every night. We appreciate you so much. Check out the merch store. Um, don't forget to go get your, your risk-free week of sports betting up to 1000 bucks over at sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. And then our Facebook community, take a look at becoming a supporter. It's another way to support what we're doing here at MHH. Easy to do. Appreciate each and every one of you. We got to dip out. Keep your chin up, gang. This is football. We're only halfway through. Enjoy it. Favorite. We got Joe Flacco right now upsetting the Patriots. I want to point that out. Before we get off, Joe Flacco is taking it to New England right now. So revel in that, if anything. What a crazy year. Yes. It's the NFL, man. You know, it's one of the things that makes it so sweet is the parody each and every game. It's not just each and every year. It's every game, man. Any given Sunday, right? The the old uh, cliche. So, all right, guys, we got a dip for Zach Kelberman. I'm Chad Jensen. We will see you, Zach and I, on Wednesday. But don't forget, Building the Broncos tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 